Wonderful when my brother did the table and I got confirmation about what I want to talk about today as well. And uh, Brother Fabian said, you know, he said, I came with a different message here and I changed it on the spot. That's how God works. And we will see the wonderful way of the Holy Spirit. Who understands the Holy Spirit? Nobody can. We can't understand Him. And I'm not going to try to understand the Holy Spirit. All we need to do is to obey the Holy Spirit. Obey. Trust and obey. And let God have His way. That's all we do. Amen? And it is so true. Uh, when uh, my brother did the table as well, you know, the brothers who come to the table, there's only one requirement. Keep to the Word of God. Keep to the Word of God. And you can't make a mistake. And that's what my brother did. And may the Lord bless you, my brother. Uh, the Holy Spirit is so wonderful. We want to continue today in the book of Acts. As you, as you remember, we are looking at how this wonderful mystery, Paul will call it a mystery at some stage in the letters, the church, how the church is expanding. You remember last week we had a revival in Samaria. And may I remind you of Acts chapter 1 verse 8. It says, you shall receive power. You remember that? Dunamis, dynamite, dynamo power. You will receive that power. Who brings that power? The Holy Spirit. He was talking about the parakletos. The, the Greek word for Holy Spirit is parakletos. Parakletos. Para means to come alongside you and to assist you. That's where we get our word parachute from, remember? Parachute. The parachute helps you. It assists you. Paramedic. It's somebody with medical uh, uh, care who comes alongside you and help you. Parakletos, the Holy Spirit comes alongside you. And what does He do? He comes inside of you and He strengthens you. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. And we saw, we saw over the last few years, uh, fast, last few months, not years, last few months, how they were preaching in Jerusalem. They were preaching mainly to the Jews. To the Jew first and then to the Gentile. So they were preaching to these people in Jerusalem. And they received the word there. And then what happens? It started to branch out to Judea. And then eventually the word went to Samaria. And that's what we saw last week. We saw how, the, how that Philip went out and he started preaching in Samaria. They were Jesus first went to in John chapter 4. He went to Samaria. He met the lady at the well. Do you remember that? And Jesus, he said, oh, we've got our mountain. Don't worry about it. We've got Gerasim here. We've set up a whole temple here. You guys down there, you are wrong. That's not all the words he said. But see, he referred to what they've built over there. But Jesus said, I'm looking for those who serve me in spirit and in truth. Yes? And then we saw that Philip went to this place. And there's a revival. You remember the revival there? As Philip is there in Samaria, this man there, the sorcerer, Simon, they say he came to repentance. He repented. He says he believed. But we saw that that was false. And then we saw how that John and Peter showed him out. And today, today, we're going to go to the next step. How wonderful. It's as if you press fast forward now. And we see a lot of action happening now in the book of Acts. Remember that the book of Acts is a transitional book. We see a transition happening now. They were preaching to the Jews. They were rejecting it. You remember when Stephen was there and he turned to them and he said, You stiff-necked people. You stiff-necked people. You, you and your fathers always resist the Holy Spirit. 
I wonder in this church if there are people who, who can take those words to heart when he says, you resist the Holy Spirit, you stiff-necked people. And what happened? He turned to them and they got so angry. They got so angry. As soon as he said that, they were, their faces changed into fangs. They wanted to eat the guy alive. You remember that? And they chased him out. They picked up the stones and started throwing at him and they killed him there. He looked up into heaven. He saw Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. He said it to them. He said, look, behold, Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. Oh, what a sight it would be, my brothers and sisters, not only to see Jesus standing there, but when these clouds is going to open up one day, and that same Jesus that Stephen saw is going to come down. He's gonna, do you believe that? Come on, honestly, do you believe what I'm saying here? Or do you think I'm a madman? No, it's going to happen. You know, every single thing that the Bible said, Brie came true. Every single thing. Every prophecy in the Bible came true. Every single thing that Jesus said. He, he said it's so. He says, I'm not a liar. If he said so, John chapter 14. What does it say? I go and prepare a place for you. Did he say that? He said, I go and prepare a place for you and I'm not going to leave you, but I'm coming. I'm coming for you. Now you may, you may pass on. You may pass on before that happens. But don't fear, don't fear that you're going to miss that. You're either going to go from this way up or you're going to come down to receive us with Him. In Jesus' name, yes I need that. Hallelujah, I forgot my glasses in there. <laughs> I was going to pray the Lord that He gives me sight, Amen. But here we go. So, so that is what happened. I believe every single word. And then uh, he says, I see Jesus standing. You know why Jesus was standing, my friends? He was welcoming. He was welcoming Stephen into heaven. Let it be known, saint, if you pass away before the Lord comes, that Jesus himself will wait for you there. The Lord that you were singing up here on the board, you said, I've got a Redeemer that same Redeemer is going to stand there and He's going to welcome you. He's going to open up His arms to you and He says, come my child, come. But for now, everybody say, but for now, we live this life, amen? We live this life and we worship and praise God. Now we want to continue in Acts chapter 8 and we're going to look now in verse 26. Let's open up your Bibles there. He says now in Acts chapter 8 verse 26, it says, now and the angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So he arose and he went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, Enoch, of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charged of all of her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship. We see here a wonderful thing that happens, but firstly, I must say, there's something that doesn't make sense to me here. Remember, this is Philip. What happened before this? He's preaching in Samaria. And if you look at him preaching in Samaria, he's got a very successful ministry. Wouldn't you say? People there are getting saved. People are turning to Christ. The Bible says before this passage that he was preaching Christ to Samaria. And the cities were coming to Christ. And I would look at this and I would say, wait a minute. He needs to stay there. Wouldn't you agree? 
Philip needs to stay there. He's got a successful ministry. People are listening to him. Yet the Bible says an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip and he says to him, Arise and go towards the south along the road which goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. And sometimes those things in life that doesn't make sense to us make sense to God. It makes sense to God. Everything that happens in your life will happen for a purpose. You know, we look at this and we say, why would you take him away from here? Why would you put this man out of the cities into the desert? Why to that road? This is only, there's only two roads that goes down to Gaza. This particular road that he was sending him through the desert is not a well-traveled road. There's another road. Honestly, I thank God that he's got his plans and not man's plans. Because you know what a man would have said? I would have said, he's such a successful preacher, send him to the busy road. Yeah? The more people who can hear him, the more people who can see him, the better. But God doesn't do that. And I like it. I like it when I read about Philip. What a wonderful young man, and I'm looking forward to meet this man in heaven one day. He spoke to Philip. Now, not a lot of commentators talk about the angel of the Lord, but we know that angels are messengers from God. There's no big emphasis here on the word angel here. And don't think it was a big angel with wings and so on that came to him. It could have been, I don't know. But just think about he got a word from God through an angel, and he said to him, Philip, you need to go to the desert. You said it this morning, brother. The Lord sent people to the desert. Here is a successful man. And maybe you're sitting here and you are crying out to the Lord and you say, but Lord, I'm, it feels as if I'm in a desert. It feels as if I'm stuck somewhere. And you cry out and you look around you and you say, Father, there's no water around me. There's no people around me. Have you noticed? God took him out of a city into the desert. There's nothing in the desert. Have you seen the desert? You know, in South Africa, I went to Kuruman. <laughs> it's a place next to a desert. And, and one day, the farmer took me into the desert. You drive into the desert, and then you look around, you can see nothing. And I thought by myself, if this car is not taking us out of here, I'm in trouble. There's nothing in a desert. But sometimes God wants you to go to a desert. Sometimes, what happened to... When my brother said it in Arabia, when, when Saul became Paul and God took him for three years into the wilderness. John the Baptist, where did he come from? From the desert. You see, sometimes we want to surround ourselves with so many people, but God says, for this time, for now, my child, let's just take you to the desert. But there's always, if God takes you to the desert, there's always a purpose and a plan. God just don't do things on the run like we do. He takes him and he says to him, Philip, I want you to go to this road in the desert. So look at Philip now. This, this amazes me. You know, I, I would think, honestly, if it was me, I would have said, Lord, but can't you see? I'm successful in bringing your word here. The church is growing, have you noticed? The, the chairs are getting full, Lord. But what did he do? He didn't quarrel with the Lord. I love these words. It's so powerful to me in verse 27. So, everybody say that word. 
He arose. He takes effort to arise. Yes? You are sitting right now. If I say, church, stand up. Everybody will stand up. He takes effort to stand up. He says, I'm going to stand up. And everybody say, went. He arose and he went. It, it reminds me of Abraham. Abraham, Abraham, I want you to take your son Isaac. What did he do? He stand up and he go. I love it to look at these men and women of God in the Bible. How they walked in faith. And, and there's just a scripture verse that comes up in my mind. And I want to read this to you. Because it's for somebody here. Proverbs. Just open up if you've got a Bible here. It just came to my mind now. And I want to stay faithful to the Holy Spirit. Proverbs chapter 3. Uh, listen to this now. Chapter 3. Some of you will know this very well. He says in chapter 3 verse 5. He says, trust in the Lord. Everybody say trust in the Lord. With all your heart. Philip, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Yes, I do, Lord. So Philip, if I'm going to say to you, I'm going to take you out of the city and I'm going to send you to Gaza. But you don't go into the popular road where the highways is. I want you to go down this road because that's desert. You know what I think? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He shall direct your footpaths. He shall direct your footpaths. If, if you haven't got that scripture underlined in your Bible, do that. Uh, don't even underline it. Learn it like a parrot. Learn it like a parrot that when the call of the Lord comes to you, you arose and you went. You know I say that in the past days, yes? You arose and you went. You don't have to think about it. Lord, but what's going to happen there? How am I going to get there? Who am I going to see there? The other thing about this less traveled road, it is where there is robbers as well because there's not a lot of people to help on this road, Lord. You don't know all the dangers about it. God doesn't care about the dangers. All He cares about is your obedience. Your obedience. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Not half of your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. Don't try to work it out. You know, it is so wonderful if you go to, to Psalm 37. Psalm 37. And we think about David. Let's do some Bible work here this morning. Let's go to Psalm 37. And we think about David. Listen to David now. Th Psalm 37, verse 3. He says the same thing. He says, trust in the Lord and do Good, dwell in the land and feed on His faithfulness. Everybody say faithfulness. He says dwell in the land, trust in the Lord and dwell in the land and feed on His faithfulness. Listen to me, that land is not Australia. That land is not New Zealand. That doesn't matter why you came and how you came. But you have to trust on the Lord in the land, in God's land. Yes, and He says... And he says here, and do good, dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. When shall you receive the desires of your heart? When you delight yourself in the Lord. Because if you delight yourself in the Lord, the desires of your heart will be according to his will. Listen to me again. If you delight yourself in the Lord, the desires of your heart will be according to His will. It won't be this fluffy stuff that you are chasing. It will be the real substance. It will be the will of God. 
Philip, I want you to leave this now. Look, it's great. Oh, it's wonderful. You are an evangelist, Philip. That's what he turned into, an evangelist. But evangelist, I want you to pack up and go. Go to the, go to the desert. Go to the lonely road. Because God has got a purpose and a plan. God said the gospel, the church, will go to Jerusalem, to Judea. It will go to Samaria, and it will go to the ends of the world. Let's look at this man here. This man is from Ethiopia. Back in those days, Ethiopia and Egypt were seen as the ends of the world. It wasn't Australia now, or New Zealand, hey bro. It was Egypt, the ends of the world. See how God works it. Philip didn't know this. When the angel spoke to him and said, I want you to go to the desert, he rose and went. Oh, what the excitement to walk in the walk of God when He leads you. Oh, what the excitement when God leads your footpaths and He speaks behind your ear and He says to you, go left or go right. Have you been there, my friend? Have you been there? Have you experienced that? I want to tell you, you are missing so much if you haven't experienced it. Oh, but to be into the presence of God. Oh, but to obey God with everything that's within you. And behold, the man of Ethiopia. This is an Enoch of great authority. Have you noticed that? Of great authority. An Enoch is what you called in those days a bed keeper. He was in charge of the apartments. You know, a king had a harem of, of, of women, of, of, of wives. Not only one back in those days. And in Enoch, he kept the beds. He looked after the women. And this is so interesting when he talks about this guy. He was a man of great authority and he was right under Candace. Candace is not a name. Candace is a title. Candace is a queen. So there were many Candaces there. It's not the name of this lady. But he, he calls it out here. Luke writes down, he says, his great authority and he reported straightly into Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians. Why not the king? Well, you remember back in then, they believed that all the kings are the sons of the sun gods. And, and it's beneath them to look after the administrative things in the kingdom. So that, that they gave, uh, gave over to the queen, the queen mother. She had to look after all of these things. And who reported back into her? This Enoch of great authority. He was reporting back into the queen. And not only that, he was in charge of all of her treasury. Oh, Egypt was very rich in those days. Who knows that? It was a mighty country, a mighty land. Now, what did this man do? He came all the way to Jerusalem to worship. He came all the way. It wasn't a short trek. It's not just buying a, a ticket and you fly there and you'll be there in 18 hours. This was days that he had to travel on his chariot to get to Jerusalem. Now, this by all means, was a proselyte. So he, he became a Jew. He, he doesn't say whether he was born a Jew, but he, he's a proselyte because he's from Egypt, from Egypt. And he came all the way to Jerusalem. See now how God's plan worked. In verse 28, he was returning. Everything was finished now. And sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. If ever you want to do a Bible study, my friend, open up the book of Isaiah. It's a powerful study. He was reading. 
Isaiah the prophet. Then the Spirit said to Philip, Go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him, and he heard him reading the prophet Isaiah, and he said, Do you understand what you are reading? So easy. So easy. You see, it was really interesting that this man is returning back, and there's a few things that grab my attention. First of all, religion is empty. This man was following religion. Back in the day, the Jewish traditions, although they served the right God, became a religion. They came together once a year. They went through all of the pompous religious stuff. They stood up. They had their cloaks on. They had their forms. They do every single thing. And some people, even today, they feel so good when they do things, don't they? If we can all stand here and I'm dressed with a robe, and I say, now we're going to do this and everybody do that. You see, even church today can become a religion. And for some people, it is a religion. Even this place. You say, wait a minute, but you preach the Word of God. Yes, I am preaching the Word of God, and there's life in the Word of God. But if you come here and you want to follow religion, you will find a religion even in Kingsway Christian Fellowship. If you come here just because you come, that becomes a religion. This man went there. He was searching for something. He was empty. Something happened in Jerusalem. Maybe, I don't know, maybe we'll hear someday, we'll meet this Enoch in heaven. But maybe when they were preaching in Jerusalem, maybe he was an eyewitness when Peter went to the temple and pulled that man up and said, I haven't got silver or gold. This man was in, 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 in charge of the treasury. He know money. He knows mullah. And these men came and they say, we haven't got mullah for you, but stand up and walk. What did the guy do? He was leaping and jumping and praising God. Maybe he saw that. Maybe he overheard one of the sermons that was preached by, by Peter. Maybe he was standing, but remember he went to the temple to worship. I don't know what happened, but something in this man changed. And now he's on his way back all of that long road down Gaza, back to Jerusalem, and he's got religion. Religion kills, brothers and sisters. There's no substance in religion. I'm the same man whether I preach without this or not. Sometimes I use it to hide my stomach, but you know. Doesn't matter how you look. Doesn't matter if you hold on to something. You know, we, you know, we do the table and one day a man came to me and says, Why do you remove the, the emblems once they are finished? Because in our church where I came from, that's important that they stay there the whole day and that has become a religion to him. Don't try to read anything into anything. No, no, you come to Christ and He makes you free. This man went through all of that. He saw them standing there in their traditions when they had the empty pitchers and they throw it over and, and there was no water in, but the priest washed their hands in no water, symbolizing what happened in the wilderness. And now they're talking about the living water. But there was nothing in the cans. One day Jesus said, come to me and I will give you living water. Religion kills. And like I say again, you can even make this church a religion. What happens next week we walk in and there's no worship? What will you do? If we say, pack away all of this stuff. Next week I walk in and I say, for the next half an hour, Brother Mark, we're going to have a prayer meeting. 
Oh, no, no, that's not what we used to. Well, if you become used to something, brothers and sisters, it's becoming a religion. Because you are following form instead of the form giver. Watch out for that. But this man, he went back and, and now you say, but how can you see this man was empty? Well, he's doing something extraordinary, this man. He had Isaiah the prophet. It was unknown, unknown in those days for somebody to have the scriptures with them. The scriptures stayed with the synagogues. The scriptures stayed with the priests. The scriptures stayed there. You were not allowed. Even you, who was a Gentile and became a proselyte, were not allowed to have the scriptures. But somehow he had his own copy of Isaiah. That's unknown of. This man was seeking. He was desperate to get something. He purchased, I would say, the scriptures of Isaiah. And now he's sitting on this chariot. And as he was riding back, the Spirit of the Lord says, Philip, I want you to run to that chariot and overtake it. And as he came near, he could hear this man. And it was well known, that's what they say back in those days, that they read the scriptures out loud. He heard this man as he came closer. He heard that voice of this Enoch. And he was reading out loud. And the closer he came, he just said to him, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said in verse 31, How can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. The place in the scripture which he was read was, he was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before his shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, he, his justice was taken away, and who will declare his generation, for his life was taken from the earth. How wonderful is it? You see, God has got a plan. Philip, I want you to come out of this city. I know. Don't worry, there's people who's going to come and this ministry won't die. Who knows that God's work done in God's way will never lack God's supply. Philip, don't worry about the cities. I want you to go here. Go to the desert. And there he finds this man. And he turns out, I don't believe in luck, do you? He turns out that as he comes closer, he goes, is that what he's reading? Wow. That's amazing. I can just imagine Philip. He didn't know. He didn't know this man has got a scriptures of Isaiah. And as he came closer, he was just reading the greatest messianic passage in Isaiah. The great. Go and study it this afternoon. It may impact you. Isaiah chapter 53. And what did he read about him? He read about the sheep was led to the slaughter. And he, he was silent. He didn't shout. He didn't swear. He didn't fight. He didn't call the legions of angels. No, no. He opened not his mouth. And that caught this man's attention. He read it out loud. I don't know if he was like me, but sometimes when I read the scriptures, I repeat it a few times over and over again. But he read this, and he couldn't understand. But remember what he said? He said, how can I unless someone guides me? And that is an indication to you and me, brothers and sisters. You heard me so many times as I say, what are you doing with the grace that's been bestowed upon you? How many Philips are sitting in this room? Oh, but I'm not a Philip. No, no, he didn't call you to come and preach in front of the old church. Have you noticed? He took him away from all of the crowds to preach to the old church to come and talk to one person. Yes? So there's no excuse for you sitting here today. I don't, look, 
this is not a job for me. You can come and preach if you want to. But man, there is so much power when you share the gospel to somebody one-on-one. Here now is so wonderful. I'm reminded of what Paul said in Romans 10. Remember in Romans 10 he says, verse 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Here is an Enoch, he sits on that dusty road, he sits with the scriptures, and there's a rock bumping him and he's going over, but in the middle of all of that he's empty inside. He reads that Isaiah, man, he's searching, he's searching, he's calling maybe in his heart, he says, For whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. For whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Hallelujah. It was you one time, wasn't it? It certainly was me one time. It was Philip one time. Now Paul says, How then shall they call upon him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe on him of whom they've not heard? How shall they hear without preaching? And how shall they preach except they are sent? These are all questions. And the answer on all of them is no. God requires His preachers today. God requires you to open up your mouth and to tell somebody about Jesus. Well, God requires that of you. Look, the time will come when angels will preach the gospel on the earth. But then you and I are gone. The time will come. It's not now. It's not the task of the angels to preach the gospel. The time will come when two witnesses will proclaim the gospel. The time will come that 144 Jews will proclaim the gospel. But that time is not now. What time is it then, preacher? Duh! It's us! It's you and me! But I can't preach in front of a whole crowd. No, no! <laughs> Have you noticed? <laughs> I know I'm repeating myself, but I want it to land today, brothers and sisters. He's talking to how many people? One man, and he only asked one question. Do you understand what you're reading? And the man says, how can I? Here is it. How, if they haven't heard it, how shall they do it without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? Philip, Philip, come here. I want you to go. Who sent Philip? God sent him. Why? God's got a plan. Make sure that God sent you. There are so many people who are not sent and self-proclaimed. As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring good tidings of good things. I reckon, and we will see that in a minute, as that Enoch continued on in his journey, we're going to see that, that after that, how beautiful was the sound of Philip's feet when he started running towards the chariot. Hallelujah. Those are the most beautiful sounds that this Enoch would have heard in his life. Those come close to the chariot. No, no, that's not what it is. It is the words that he preached. Amen? How wonderful it is. How wonderful. Now, let's look at verse 34. So the Enoch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or some other man. And then Philip opened up his mouth and beginning at this scripture, he preached Jesus to him. Brothers and sisters, the center of our preaching needs to be Jesus. I hear so many sermons and believe me, I listen to it. I listen wide. 
And I hear people who preach beautiful sermons. And you walk out of church and you say, man, I'm feeling so well today. My only question is, did that person preach Jesus to you or not? I don't care how you feel. Was Jesus preached to you? You see, if it was about feelings, Jesus Christ would never have gone to the cross. Never. No, no. No, no, he preached Jesus Christ to him. He says, this man here, you know, when he talks about, when he talks about being slaughtered, did the prophet talk about him, or did he talk about <coughs> somebody else? <clears throat> and Philip said to me, he spoke about my Lord Jesus. Let me tell you, I, I saw him, I heard him, and guess what? He said one day to his disciples, he said, I will not leave you often. I'm going to go to the Father, but I'm going to send you somebody to help you. That is the Holy Spirit. And hey, Enoch, guess what? What? What, Philip? Tell me, man, you are so... That Holy Spirit is living inside of me. Hallelujah. You should shout hallelujah by now. Come on. Isn't that great news? Isn't that wonderful? He said, he preached Jesus to him. Now, as they went down the road, they came to some water. And this becomes important. And the Enoch said to him, see, there is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Maybe he heard when Peter was preaching, he says, repent and be baptized. I don't know, but he says, baptism is not an issue for him anymore. Have you noticed? He didn't come and say, oh, no, no, let's talk about this. No, no, he says, there's water. What is the logic thing to do? He says, what stops me from being baptized? Then Philip said to him, if you believe with all of your heart, you may be baptized. And he answered, he said to him, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He says, I believe He is the Son of God. So they commanded the chariot to stand still, and both Philip and Enoch went down into the water, and he baptized him. So now when they came out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away, so that the Enoch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. What did the Enoch do? How beautiful is the sound of those who proclaim the gospel of the Lord. Hallelujah. What do that bring? What is the gospel bringing into cities? Joy. Joy, joy, joy. When I come to Jesus. Joy, joy, joy. If I come to stay. Did the gospel bring you joy? Oh yeah, it's so wonderful to serve the Lord. I'm so joyful. I know you can't see it on the outside, but man, inside I'm cracking up. What is this man doing? Oh, thank you, Philip. That was a wonderful man. I needed to have a bath and now I'm clean. No, no! No! He was, he was made new. He was a new man. I'm a new creation. Hallelujah! All things have passed away. I'm not empty anymore. I'm not empty anymore. I don't have to come up to Jerusalem now every single year, go through all of the rituals of religion, bow to this man, bow to that man, shake the candle here, do all that's all empty. Let the Enoch tell you that today. When he met Jesus, what happened? He rejoiced. Joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. 
Hallelujah. Enoch, can you tell this church something today? He would stand up here and he would say, The joy of the Lord is my strength. Hallelujah. Once I was empty, but now I am filled. Wow, what a wonderful, what a wonderful occasion. He rejoiced, but Philip was found at Azotus and passing through. He preached in the cities till he came to Caesarea. Now, just two things before we pray and go. I want to talk to you about baptism. You see, baptism is important. It is critically important. Now, baptism did change from John the Baptist. We don't baptize in the same as John the Baptist. Remember John the Baptist says, repent, uh, uh, be baptized for the remission of your sins. No. What happened at the cross? The Bible says that He forgive you your sins. 1 John chapter 1 verse 8 and 9. He will forgive you your sins and He will cleanse you from your unrighteousness. If, you, if the Lord saves you today, you are saved. You are clean. If you die tonight, you are saved. Baptism is not going to do that. But baptism is still important. You see, baptism is a sign of a declaration of faith. That's what baptism is. You say, show me this in the Enoch. Well, here is the declaration of faith. Right here he says, he says, what hinders me from being baptized? Peter, Philip said to him, you need to make a declaration. What is your declaration? Do you believe with all of your heart? He says, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. The Bible says the Holy Spirit will make you say that. That's a declaration of faith. So if you go and you get baptized, that's a declaration of faith. Okay? So it doesn't say that if you're not baptized, you're not going to go to heaven. It is an obedience step, but it's a declaration of what's happened to you. So it's a declaration of faith. Now, in this church, and I believe the Bible don't teach that we baptize babies. We don't baptize babies. And if you come from a place where they baptize babies, I've got a lot of respect for you. But, and I know it's sincere, but it's sincerely wrong. And I'll tell you why. Because a baby cannot make a declaration of faith. Have you ever seen, a, I've, I've been to a many babies who were born. Many. <laughs> and you know what happens when they come out of the womb? You know what they do when they come out of the womb? They say, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Have you had any baby do that when they were born? No, no, what do they do? Ah, it's me, look after me. Ah, my nappy. They cry. There's no declaration of faith from babies. It's just true. We do not baptize babies. You say, so what do you do with the young babies when they come? We pray for them. We dedicate them. I believe in dedication. Jesus said, bring those little, little ones. And he prayed for them. He didn't grab a bucket there and started sprinkling them. No, that's not scriptural. I don't care. I do not care what your, your minister, your priest, or your what. Your, I don't care what they say, but the Bible don't preach that. And if you hold on to that, you're in error. I'm sorry to say that. No, I'm not. That's true. So, we do not baptize babies. You see... You need to make a declaration of faith before you get baptized. And we don't just baptize people just because for the sake of it. I've seen it so many times. Young people, they go with their friends to a rally and there's a preacher preaching there. And he says, if you want to come to the Lord, come to the front. Next Sunday they've got a baptism and then they sit, 
they say to people, touch the person next to you and ask them to come with you to the baptism bath. That's not what we do. We don't do that. I've dealt over the years with so many people who've been baptized and they don't even know what baptism is all about. I asked them, why were you baptized? Oh, well, because my friends were baptized and I thought it's a cool thing to do. That's not right. What precedes baptism? A declaration of faith. A declaration that you are born again. A declaration that you've got the joy of the Lord in your heart. A declaration of Jesus Christ. That precedes baptism. That's, what, that's just what the Bible teaches. The second thing I want to touch on, and that is baptism by... And by the way, if you're not baptized, if you're not baptized yet and you're saved, get baptized. We will have a church baptism. There's people approaching me for baptism. We will have a baptism. So if you're not, talk to me. I will work with you. I'll give you the scriptures. I'm not going to pull you to the baptism, to the baptism water like a crocodile. I'm not going to pull you, okay? You walk by yourself. You go by yourself. That's you walking to the water like the Enoch did. You're going to say, after you hear what he says, you're going to say, there is water, what hinders me? What in, and by the way, baptism, because baptism is so critical in the Eastern world. You know, if Muslims get baptized, their families want to kill them because that to them is a fight. You see, it's a declaration of faith. It's a declaration of faith. So if you're not, please do. Come to the Lord and be obedient. Now, the other thing that I want to say about baptism Baptism is by immersion. It's not by sprinkling. Now, it can happen. It can happen if somebody is sick. I've seen it once. Somebody was really sick. They, they gave their heart to, the, you know, the Lord saved their souls, I should say. They, they were lying. They couldn't be taken into a bath to be baptized. And I saw a pastor going over there, and he said, and he, he actually dunked the man's head with his hand full of water. Now, you know, I'm not there to judge that. I'm not going to do that. But we as a church don't do that as, as a custom that we sprinkle people with water. No, no. The Bible says he went into the water, yes? And then what happened? He came out of the water. I explain this to people this way. Baptism to me is a funeral. Saying that in a funeral home. Baptism is like a funeral. It's a sign of a funeral of the old man. Romans chapter 6 verse 4, Therefore we were buried with Him through baptism. Go and read Romans chapter 6 this afternoon if you want more information. We were buried with Him through baptism into death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in the newness of life. So it's a declaration. You are baptized in front of witnesses and now you walk. Everybody say walk. In the newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of His death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of His resurrection, knowing this, that the old man was crucified with Him. So we're going to the funeral of the old man. And, and when you go down, it is a symbolizing of the old man is dying, but the new man rises. The body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin, for he who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him. We shall live with Him. So this is, is a sign of a funeral of the old man. So that the old man died, the sinful man goes into the grave, and then we walk in the newness of life. We shall live with Him, knowing that Christ has been raised from the dead. 
He dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. Now that is my baptism sermon. Now there's more. <laughs> I'm just touching on it. I just wanted to make it clear. Now there's a second thing and I'll end with this. You see how he says, how he says this. He says, now when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Peter, uh, Philip, sorry, Philip away, so that the Enoch saw him no more. This must have been amazing. They come out of the water, boom, gone is Philip. And this is the amazing thing. I don't find the Enoch losing his head about it. Have you noticed? What happened? Call the police. There's a missing person here. What happened? No. Why didn't he actually worry about that? Because he was rejoicing. He went his way rejoicing. He don't care what happened to Philip. Man, I found the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm not empty anymore. That's a wonderful thing that happened. But just on this here, the word here that's used for Philip, being caught away, is the word harpazo, which means to snatch somebody away. And by the way, this is not a teaching to mean that you and I can pray this now. Lord, I desperately want to be in New Zealand this morning. Can you just snatch me and put me there? It's not going to work. And, and you, look, I, I say that, and, and, and I... And I apologize to the Lord if, if, I, if it sounds funny, but there are people preaching this under the banner of Christianity. I've heard a man say it once, he said to a, gr a group of people, he said, last Sunday I was here with you, although I was on holiday, I was here, I was walking around here amongst you. This is not transportation. Of, no, no, that's, that's occultish. This is no occult. No, no, he harpatured him away and then he could be found in other cities there. He didn't go back there again. He was there. Now, this word is an interesting word. If, if you remember, there's this happening like this before in John chapter 6. You remember John chapter 6? Jesus is walking on the water. You remember that passage? They were, they were, in, the middle of, they were in the middle of the sea. Waves come against them and they were, they were toiling away and, and then they saw Jesus and they thought he was a ghost. And they were so afraid and then you remember Peter said, call me and he went out in his sink and as soon as, go and read it in John chapter 6 this afternoon, it says as soon as Jesus got into the boat, immediately they were at their destination. How did that happen? It's not as if they kept on rowing, it was, he's in the boat and whoop. That's the first notice of a motorboat. No, it's faster than that. It's way faster than that. It just went like that. Now, let me remind you of this. And we're going to end with this because it is good news. This word, Apatza, we find in another passage. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16. For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. Oh, to hear that trumpet. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive shall remain, shall be, everybody say it, Caught up, harpazo together with them into the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. I'm comforting you with these words today. And by the way, I know they're doing it just for Hollywood. But there's people who made so many movies about this. I believe in the rapture, by the way. I believe in the pre-trip rapture and I've preached about it. You can go and find my sermons online. But you find these Hollywood movies where they go, the rapture took place and there's a bundle of clothes lying there. Have you seen those movies, some of you? 
There's the guy's clothes. I'm not going to say that. <laughs> I thought about something, but I'm not going to say that. Philip's clothes didn't stay behind, did it? They didn't find him naked in other places. I'm just throwing it in there. Brothers and sisters, this morning I hope and I believe the Lord encouraged your heart with the word. If you find yourself in a desert place this morning, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Trust, with, trust in Him. If you find yourself empty this morning because of religion, I repeated that verse over and over again. You remember? I said, They who seek the Lord, He shall be found. Yes? Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning for your word. I thank you, Father, for the openness of hearts to receive your word, and I thank you for your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, without you, we can't preach this word. And I thank you that you are here in this place, and you make this world substance. I pray that you go with us to retain this message. In Jesus' name, amen.